Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. I've got no words. So thank, thankfully, most of y'all who hear me talk about Dan Muller all the time, y'all, y'all get to actually meet him in person, you know, just like I do. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, for lack of better words, I mean, I, I truly feel like a, a kid who finally gets to meet his superhero, and because um, you don't know, you know, how much you've impacted uh, the lives of just not myself and my wife, but you know, so many of us in this in this room, you know, just the whole, the gospel is simple, and that's what that's what's appreciated. You know, if any of y'all were here last night, you know, I mean, just the gospel is very simple, and we complicate it when we try to keep ourselves at the center because it's very hard to make the gospel conform to our way of life that we want to continue to live and just again just the simplicity you know when, when you carry when you not only just carry a message but you live it you know that's why Jesus was so effective you know in his time on earth because he actually walked out what he was talking you know he lived what he preached and it's just refreshing, you know, watching, you know, Dan Muller, you know, through so many of his messages online and getting to see him in person, um, you know, just seeing that, you know, it is a life, that the gospel is a life that can be lived. You know, Scripture says, wherever we go, preach the gospel. And it's not that we're all just called to just, you know, come up with, you know, 10-point sermons and, you know, talk to everybody about our theological understanding of what, of what God is and what, what life is but preach the gospel through the life that we live or through the life that he lives through us. And um, it's just such, such an honor. I mean, I know you don't, I know you don't like taking any, any credit or any honor, but just to accept that with the, the intent you know, that it's given is just thank you. Thank you so much for your obedience you know, to what God has called you to do and how you've said it's not even a sacrifice. It's a joy. It's a pleasure. I mean, when you're following after him, his, his, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. You know, when you trade the life that never really was ours for the life that he gives, the life that he lives through us, it's a joy. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's not having to tell people about him. It's getting to tell people about him. And so it's just so refreshing uh, to to just witness it, and again, just can't thank you enough for the, for the change that you've made uh, in our lives, and um, you're just pursued after him and how much it stirs us to do the same. So thank you so much. So if you can all just join me in welcoming Dan Muller, thank you. That was about as sincere as it comes. Thank you. No, it just got me about on the verge of teary emotion. You know, there's things you can say you're, you're welcome for. There's things you can say thank you for. It's just that we, we know that nobody has anything unless God's given it. But you can thank somebody for their time spent with him, for their time in the Word. I had a guy come up to me one time. He said, man, I just want to thank you for two things. And I said, what? Because honestly, when you're walking in love, you don't, you're, you're never living for a thank you. Ever. Like, it's not even, you're, you're having the time of your life. And nobody has to thank you for a thing. There's people that get tricked. They serve in ministries, but they don't realize they're serving in ministries to be appreciated. They don't feel valuable. They're doing something. They love people to say you're amazing. And it means something to them. It's like, hmm. And it's weird. 
And I've seen people as a pastor get hurt serving in church because they don't get the affirmation they're looking for. Jesus hung on a cross and died for you while you were yet a sinner and said, I believe you're a whole lot more. That sounds like affirmation. (laughs) That sounds like all I need. So I'm going to put that on. This man said, I want to thank you for two things. I said, what is it? He said, well, obviously your time in the word, you've been with Jesus. Like the word pours out of you. You've filled your heart with the word. And I just want to thank you for your time spent with the word. Because when you preach, it just, everything you, every statement you make, you're backing it up, wrapping scripture around it, tying it in. And it's like, wow. I just want to thank you for your understanding of the word, the times. I said, well, you're welcome. It's been a privilege to be with him and in the word. And he said, and I just want to thank you for your smile, man. I said, now that I can't take an ounce of credit for. <laughs> and I can't. Because before I knew Jesus, I didn't smile like this. And I was a totally different person. I was mean, and I was frustrated, and I was unloving to my wife and my family. There was a season in my life I didn't even feel like I had a natural affection for my children. So I can't ever take any credit for my smile. Because the angel came when Jesus was born and said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And it'll be to all people. And I just jumped in on that all people thing. Good tidings of great joy. Where's joy come from? Understanding the gospel. Has nothing to do with your circumstances. I have great joy in every situation of my life. People don't understand this, but I, I share stories, you know, and things I've walked through. And I, I just said it this morning in, some, in, in, in a conversation we were having with a group of us. And, and, and we were really just being hearty. And I don't always say this stuff with a video running or in a group. But I, it doesn't, whatever you're going through, the gospel doesn't change. Your purpose on the earth doesn't change. And in fact, in the face of tragedy, the reason he lives in you is still the same. And you got to make sure you don't so focus on the tragedy that you become a product of the tragedy instead of a manifestation of why he's in you in the midst of whatever it is. Come on. And that's the preaching we don't understand sometimes. That's the thing we don't get. So we're letting everything move us. And most of the time, we're only a product of how it's going. And who we are and how we are is dictated by how life is going. So then all our emphasis is on a prayer list to pray in a way where our life changes instead of seeing who we are in the midst of this life and who he is in me while I live. I'm going to be bold with you and just come out straight and talk to you about this. I've never prayed for my circumstances to change. I've never prayed for a better day. I pray for a manifestation of God in my day. I've never asked for God to do this, change this, tell them to stop acting that way. God, would you knock him off his high horse? God, if, they do, if you don't change my boss, I'm not going to work. I'm looking for another job. I've never had that in my life. I've never even dreamed, thought, nothing like that. In fact, some of you, the reason you didn't get a new job because God's not going to give you one because he wants you to get a revelation and love people right where you're at. Because you can't run from that stuff because it'll go with you because it's where you are. And somebody else will bother you. And somebody else will bother you. And after a while, you'll have this story that just everybody's a jerk. Come on. Sorry. We're supposed to be happy Sunday. Hey, guys. Good morning. Let me tell you scripturally why we're here this morning. I know why you guys are here. I know why you and April are here. We're here to empower people 
to live Christ. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here this morning because you're saying, I'm a believer and I'm joined with a group of people and I'm part of an army and I'm being stirred up, staying on point and sharpened in love and good works. And there's a great marriage between coming here and going. Coming to church isn't your identity. Christ is your identity. You don't come to church to fill a gap. You don't come to church because I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to. Church attendance has nothing to do with qualifying, being accepted, fill in a blank. Church attendance is assembling yourselves together. You look around during worship and realize there's people in my community with like faith. There's people that believe what I'm believing. There's people around me that want to see something bigger than my own self, my own feelings, and my own need. That actually the Christ in me is the hope of glory, and there's a group of people that believe that. And I'm here to be stirred up in love and good works. So I don't take life personal. I take him personal. It ain't about what I'm going through because I'm decided by what he went through. I found a higher truth and that truth has made me free. That's really healthy church. And if, if the biggest challenge of a local pastor is turning inward and trying to do better church to grow what he has in numbers. But uh, that's the biggest trap of a local pastor. To just try to do better church come on. Yeah. so that people want to come to what you're doing. Yeah. Come on. There's so many people out there church shopping. Yeah. They aren't asking where the Lord wants them. They aren't asking to be planted, rooted, and grounded. They're not praying and saying, where would, I, where would you be best benefited by my attendance? Come on. They're not asking the Lord a thing about where to go. They're church shopping. They're looking for a personality, a worship they appreciate. Well, you know, I'd go there. I kind of like him, her. But, you know, when she gets up, something just, it just goes, it just bothers me. And, and then let's just go keep looking. And if pastors realize people are church shopping, then they're tempted to try to produce a product that they're looking for. That's it. Ah! And then if anything shifts... In the reason that they're there, well, then they'll just go somewhere else. See, we're not here to go to church. We have to realize this. And I know technically we know this and theologically we know this. So it's not some brainstorm wild thing, but it is sobering. We have to understand we are her. We are the church. We have to be careful we don't get so good at doing church and one day fail to, to, to become her and realize we've never actually been her. Come on. Come on. Oh, I've been to church my whole life. Okay, have you been her? That's right. Your whole life. Have you walked in love? Do you cover a multitude of sin with mercy and forgiveness? Do you resolve conflict in your marriage or you do go to bed with the need to be right and increase tension and layer your heart and wonder why you're together and do what everybody else is doing that doesn't go to church come on don't let this be mean don't let this be uncomfortable because the last thing we want to do is get religious and not know it and all of a sudden we're, we're, we're fighting and we're tension and we're not even having a conviction. And then we have the conscience to go to church. Holy, holy. But we don't know how to walk in love. We're not living by the spirit. We're not taking responsibility for our actions. We don't have a conviction to have Christ formed in me. 
He said, well, you don't know what I got to live with. wonder if Jesus said, you don't know what I got to live in. Well, you'd feel different if you were married to my spouse. Man, you ought to throw that trash talk away. Because if God judged you the way you're judging others, you wouldn't have a chance. I mean, people look for a new job because they don't like their boss. Well, my boss is an idiot. You don't understand. I'm not trying to be rude. He's just an idiot. You don't know. He's always this and this. Okay, so he's lost. He's deceived. He has no revelation of Christ. And now you're getting molded by him. You hate him. You're bothered by him. And you want to run in another direction. I think Jesus would be having lunch with him. You say, I don't know. I don't think God would touch him with a 10-foot pole. No, you wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. But God's been waiting to touch him through you. But you've judged and weighed his value by his performance instead of his destiny, instead of what God created him for. So you're judging him according to the flesh instead of seeing him according to potential. Well, I got a scripture for you. It's 2 Corinthians. It said, he died so we might live. So we who live because he died ought to never again live for ourselves, but for him that died. And therefore, never judge any man according to the flesh. You never see a man for what he seems to be. You see a man for what he's created to be. Isn't that why God sent his son and died for us? Why we were yet ungodly and trapped in our sins? He said, son, you're so much more than you're living. You're so much more than you're doing. I know who you are. If I live in you and you're surrendered, I know what that'll look like. Forgive him, Father. He doesn't know what he's doing. That sure beats a bad attitude, judgment towards him, cutting him off, stereotyping him and trash talking him behind the scenes. Sorry, I'm just, it's just there. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to cheer you on, stir you in love and good works, make sure religion is never eating our lunch. I just don't want to be all around him, singing all about him, talking all about him, and not see him through my life. I don't want to be that man that said, yes, but Lord, we supped with you, we ate with you, we walked with you in the streets and heard you talk. And, it's in your Bibles. You can be so close to him and never know him. And you can think going to church is your Christian identity. No, Christ in you is your Christian identity. You are the church. You gather with believers to stay stirred up in love and good works and edified. Why? Because we all carry a sphere of influence. And there is a great marriage, I promise you, between coming and going. Okay, I'm going to blow some things up here for a minute. Church was never designed to be a safe haven, a hospital. It's a training ground. It's a proving ground. It's an empowerment place. Come on. I understand people come in and need love. They come in, they're broken. They need... But once he heals the brokenhearted, why do we believe our heart keeps needing to be broken, healed, broken? How much supernatural glue do we need on our heart? Maybe we need a new perspective. Maybe we need a new motive. Maybe I need to wake up with a new understanding and have a new reason for being so that nothing creeps in and cracks that heart open again. So if you don't owe me anything, if I'm alive to shine, if I'm here to live by the Spirit and walk in Christ and manifest His name, then it doesn't sound like you owe me anything, so you're probably never my problem. Now I probably have a real clear view of you, and I can walk in love like never before. 
But if I'm insecure and I'm low esteemed and I'm still believing the lies of my past and the lies of what everybody else has implied that doesn't know God and doesn't walk in truth, then I'm probably a hurting mess and I probably need you to affirm me. But I'm just telling you, I don't need you to affirm me and you shouldn't need me to affirm you. Christ was crucified. And when he was crucified, he ain't saying, you bunch of sinners, look what your sin did to me. I hope you're happy now. When are you going to surrender and give your life to me? That is not what the cross is saying. The cross is saying, Father, forgive them. They know what, what they do. Nobody took his life. He freely laid it down. So what's Jesus really saying? Hey, guys, I know who you are. I know you from the beginning. No matter where you've been and what you've done, I know you can be more than what you've lived. You have greater potential, greater purpose. Nothing was made that wasn't made through me, and you are my idea. You are my will, and I'm paying the price to restore you back to truth. You might never have known who you are, but I know who you are, and you're well worth me giving my life to you. And I'm saying, when you come unto me, I'm going to give you rest. Come on, on. on, man. That's the cross. That's the gospel. It ain't some sentimental Christmas season, baby in a manger. It ain't some Easter story where priesters go to church twice a year and praise the Lord for the cross. We're going to heaven when we die. I prayed the prayer when I was 12. My name's in the book. No, my life is in Christ. I don't have a hard heart towards my supervisor when he lives out a character. I have compassion for him because if he knew who he was, he wouldn't be living what he's living. Forgive him, Father. He knows that we all, my boss knows what he's doing. He does it on purpose. He just likes to agitate me. See, he's lost. You don't understand. If he saw the truth, he would change. And the truth should be in you. You overcome evil with good. You don't repay evil for evil. You tone down a harsh word with a kind word. You don't spout back. It takes two to fight, one to make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. Sons of God is not a confession. It's a lifestyle. Are you with me? Come on, I'm calling you to something this morning. Because there is a sphere of influence in this room that reaches beyond what we can measure. We all have a sphere of influence. We all pass. I was telling stories to Jimbo this morning. I was saying, look, I'm an outdoor fanatic. I love the outdoors. But I said, I live Jesus. I'm a Jesus guy first. People say, well, yeah, but if you're a Jesus guy, why are you out there fishing when people are going to hell? I'm pouring out my life. I pray for people everywhere I go. I pray for people on boat ramps, boats. If I wasn't fishing, I wouldn't touch those people. They're my sphere of influence. I ain't just fishing. I shot a big old turkey in the spring. I loved it. He come right in. Just gave his life for the gospel. <laughs> I deceived him. I sounded like a sweet old hen. Yelp, 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 yelp. He boom, I got him, right? I come down off the mountain, I got him in my coat. I'm a happy man. Thank you, Jesus. I get down there, there's a fellow on the trail. He said, Man, I heard a shot up there. Was that you? He said, I didn't know anybody was back here. There's no cars out along. I saw I'm parked way, way down. Yeah, that was me. He said, did you get him? I said, he said, oh, man, yeah. He said, he must have come in quiet. He said, I didn't hear him. I said, quiet. That thing gobbled his full head off. And then he's strutting. And you know what happens before pride comes before. So he's out there strutting his stuff. Ain't I beautiful? Ain't I something, girl? Hey, girl. Boom. The fall, it came, pride fall. It's scriptural. We walked out scripture on my turkey hunt. So the guy says, 
oh man, he said he had to be quiet. I said, he gobbled his full head off. What are you talking about? He must have gobbled, I think he gobbled 60 times. He said, what? I said, yeah. I said, I actually was standing right here where you are when I first heard him on the roost and ran up and set up on him. He come right to me. It was amazing. God really blessed me this morning. He said, man, see, I think my hearing's just going. I think I'm out here hunting and I can't hear him gobble. I think there's something with my tone deafness. Something's wrong with my ears. If I didn't, I said, sir, if you didn't hear that turkey, something happened to your ears. I said, here's what we're going to do. Now look, we're fellow turkey hunters. We're way back on the trail. We're, I'm four miles, sir, from my car. And ain't nobody back here but you and me, but I'm going to lay hands on your ears. And Jesus is going to touch your ears because he loves you. And I don't know if you know him, but I know him and he lives in me and he wants to live in you. And I just, I'm a turkey hunter, but I'm in Christ. And I took my hands and I laid them on that man's ears in Jesus' name. Are you hearing me? I'm hiking, I'm way back to trails. I turn the corner. Fellow's coming and he's walking, he's a little bent. And I said, Man, buddy, you're way off the, you're way back in here early. It's, he said, Oh, if I don't get in moving early, he said, I'll never get moving at all. I just feel like my body's always ready to freeze up. I got to get up early and get my miles in and try to keep this whole body moving. He said, It's arthritis, it's so bad. I said, Are you kidding me, sir? We got to pray right out of my mouth. Bam. Why? I'm in fellowship with God. He lives in me. I believe he loves him. I'm looking at him through his eyes. I see how he sees me. I got the best look at him. Are you with me? I see how he sees me. I'm not insecure. I don't have identity issues. I'm not like, well, you know, I don't know if I'm all that anointed. The spirit of God lives in us. Probably ought to open my mouth. Probably ought to get my faith out there and get my hands on me. Pray, but see, I don't have issues. I didn't. I ain't. I got unresolved conflicts with my wife. I don't have unforgiveness towards people. I'm just having the time of my life, living Christ. I'm up early, taking a walk in the woods, communing with the Lord. A man turns the corner, and I'm so ready to meet him. Who is he? Part of my sphere of influence. If I wasn't turkey hunting, I may never have met that man in my entire life. He said, well, but if you were out in the street praying, I'm already out praying for the sick. See, religion doesn't get it and tries to find some fault. You say, well, did they get saved? What's the purpose of healing if they didn't get saved? I said, listen, the Bible says whatever city you're in, heal the sick there and tell them the kingdom's here. You're going to twist their arm and try to get them to repeat a prayer you're praying? Or do you want Holy Spirit to wreck their heart? And they absolutely get transformed. My goal, my goal, I'm just going to tell you straight. I don't care if you disagree with me. I don't care. One day we'll find out if we're right or wrong, I guess, if that matters so much to you. But I'm convicted. My goal is not to get you to pray a sinner's prayer. My goal is to give you a valid encounter with God that you can't escape from. And you know what that leads to? Salvation. Yeah. And you know what? Some people reap where they haven't even sown. So if our goal was to get them to pray the sinner's prayer, why would you reap where they haven't sown? Why didn't the person that sowed get them to pray the sinner's prayer? Some sow, some water. Sounds like God's working on hearts and we're trying to power drive people into a confession. Sounds like some of us are reaping where we haven't even sown. But then we reap, we think we're great evangelists. Now we build a conference around the one that reaped. But the only reason you reaped is because somebody sowed. 
And we're supposed to all rejoice together because it's God who gives the increase. Come on, it's just not hard to understand. I mean, if this thing, like some of you, like, 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 not you, but some of us in the church, we would, we would, we would, we would be bold enough to correct Jesus. He should have more in his ministry. He should have bigger churches. He should have more followers. Jesus had a few women gathered around him at his crucifixion. Bless you women. You women are special. I, man, I wish we'd give you your due. There's something about you women we could learn from. Women surrounded him. John showed up. Bless his heart. That's all he had. There's 120 in an upper room waiting for the Holy Ghost to come. Interceding and praying after he visited them for 40 days in the flesh. Meaning personally. I know he was resurrected and raised from the dead. I'll, well, I'll get, there'll be a YouTube thing on that one. It's just terrible, man. People are so bound with a critical spirit. It's crazy. Watch this. Was Jesus the truth? So did he preach truth? Because he was the truth. So did he preach truth? And then killed him for his words. That's how proud and deceived and critical men are. The truth himself spoke in front of them for three years and they were so busy hearing what they didn't agree with they could never hear what he said. Come on. Yeah. And he's crying out, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. If you have ears to hear, they don't have ears to hear. They have ears to hear what they don't agree with. And they're so proud that they write stuff and say stuff and do stuff to the point that they would kill Jesus for his words. And he is the truth. Not preaching it, is it? That's how deceived motives can be and flesh can be and pride can be. That you're so busy being right that you're so wrong. Even sometimes when you're right, it doesn't make it right. You're right and you're so wrong. Because of the way being right affects you. It's just true. If Jesus came being right, we are so wrong. He came righteous. What's the difference, Pastor? Right reveals wrong. Righteousness empowers wrong things to be made right. That's the difference. So rightness just says, dude, you should have never did that. Man, if you love God, you wouldn't. And I don't know how. And I ain't never listened to you again. And you this circle around you, slime through it. But righteousness says, man, I see what happened. But look, I know you're growing and I know you got more potential. And I believe your heart inside is way greater than that thing. That just So get over that, man. Just repent of that because I know you're sorry. God. Yeah. One is right. Wrong. One is righteous. You're so much more. So if he loved us this way, ought we not love one another? There's a servant in Matthew 18. He was forgiven of everything he couldn't pay. God just wiped the debt. The master wiped the debt. Type and shadow of the Lord in the gospel. Man leaves there. He finds a fellow brother who owes him a few bucks. And he says, hey, you need to pay me what you owe. He said, man, I can't be patient with me. I said, I'm not going to be patient. You owe me for a long time. When are you ever going to pay up? If you don't pay up now, you're never going to pay up, man. Procrastinating fool. I'll throw you in prison. 
other servants heard what happened. They told the master. The the master was infuriated. He said, bring that man to me. He brought him to him. He said, watch what he said. In the house. In the house. Not a pagan. Not outside the covenant. He's in the house. You wicked and evil servant. Part of my house. I forgave you of everything you owed me. Everything you owe me. Shouldn't you have forgiven him for what he owed you? In 1997, a pastor did the math back then of the money mentioned in your Bible, the talents, and everything. It was 19 million he was forgiven of, and he threw his brother in prison for $500. That was the money back then. So the master forgave him of $19 million debt and didn't sell him off with his family. And he forgave him and he sponged it and he acted like it was never there, and he left him function as if he didn't owe him a thing. That's called the gospel. That's called righteousness. Justified, just as if you never sinned. Right before God, no sense of guilt, condemnation, and shame. Unveiled before him. High priest, passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, come boldly into his throne of grace and receive mercy in every time of need. That's the gospel. You all know that well. That gets preached well here. There's something. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Soteria, healed, delivered, protected, preserved, made whole, and kept safe and sound. I'm not ashamed to tell you that this gospel's on the planet, and through one man's work, every man can be justified. Through one man's blood, cross, you can come and be justified before God without doing a thing but believing on him. And Paul got beat for it and whipped for it and beat for it and whipped for it. In his Judaism culture, in the day he was living in, that was such a blasphemous message that when he preached it, they beat him for it. And he never stopped preaching it and never stopped getting beat. So he's either loco or he sees something. It's the power of God, the gospel. is the power of God unto salvation for all that believe, for it is written, the just shall live by faith. First the Jew, then the Greek, for in the gospel, righteousness is revealed. The righteousness of God through Christ is revealed. So what's the power of God that brings salvation? The righteous judgment of God. Making wrong things right. He comes to me on the night he saves me. I've been totally wrong. He gets me to see the totally wrong because I don't want to continue to live totally wrong. He gets that shift in my heart. He brings me to a place of repentance. It's a gift. He grants repentance. He works in my heart. Nobody comes to him unless he's drawn by him. So if you have a remote desire for God, it's because he's drawing you. He has your attention. Why is he drawing you? Because he wants you. Why does he want you? Because he loves you and knows what he created you for. And he knows you were trained and homeschooled in the wrong home and you were taught by the wisdom of the world. The way that seems right to man is your highest knowledge. But he said, I'm going to get a hold of you, put my spirit in you, put a new heart in you, put a new mind in you. You're going to be renewed by the spirit of your mind. You're not going to be conformed to the world. You're going to be transformed yes. by thinking like you've never thought before. I'm going to save you. See, you can't bring new wine 
into the old wineskin. It bursts, it pours out. You have to, all things become new. I have to see through new eyes. I have a different motive for life. I have a different reason for being. I'm not a Christian for what he can do for me. I'm a Christian for how he can make me more like him. I'm not mad at God. I can't be disappointed, discouraged. It's not about what answer, unanswered, answered prayer. It's about growing up into him in all things to the full measure of the stature of Christ. So in my sphere of influence, I'm effectively ministering Christ. That's called being the church. Now, I'm just telling you right now, that is not a title. It's not a separate gifting. It's not pastoral. It's believer. I'm calling you all into it. I'm saying, please guard your heart. Because out of your heart flows the issue of life, issues of life. Make sure there's no root of bitterness among you, which causes a lot of trouble. That's the Bible. It defiles many. It's a lot of trouble. Don't ever be Esau. Don't ever be Esau who cried bitterly, wept bitterly, wept bitterly and found no place for repentance. How didn't he find a place for repentance if he wept bitterly when God calls men to repent? Why didn't he find Because he's not crying with godly sorrow. He's not crying because of what his sin did and how he affected God and his plan in the kingdom. He's crying for himself because of what his sin cost him. And he's just crying because he lost his birthright, his inheritance. He's crying for him. The tears and the weeping bitterly is a self-centered sorrow, not a godly sorrow. You can't find repentance. There's no change of heart. You just feel sorry for yourself. Poor me. Preach it, man. Don't be Esau. Don't let any profane man be found among you like Esau who wept bitterly with tears but found no place for change. Why is all this stuff in the Bible? Because we have a race to run. We have a calling. We didn't pray a prayer to go to heaven. This isn't about getting secure for your destiny called heaven in that day. That's turning destiny, what the pastor said yesterday, into a place instead of a life you live. We're fulfilling destiny. We're walking in destiny. The whole reason he sent the Son of God is not just to forgive your sins so that when you die you can go to heaven. It's to forgive your sins so you can pass through the blood and get back to the Father. So that the Father can live in you and empower you and manifest himself through you. Trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord that he might be glorified. Jesus says glorify your Son that your Son would glorify you. All I'm preaching is Christianity. It's why we're saved. Anything less, I'm going to be bold and narrow in your church. Anything less is our version. It's not in here. I'm, come on, how many scriptures? It's Come on, it's scripture. And if your eyes single, single, that word single means one voyage. If your eyes single, healthy, One voyage, you're seeing through one truth, one eye, one way. Narrow is the way. Difficult, confined is the way. And few are those who ever actually find it. But not few are those who go to church. He's the way. Not a way. Not a good idea. Not an option. Not something to strongly consider. He's the way. He's not a way. He's the way. Single eye. One voyage. He's the way. Narrow is. Why? Because it costs you yourself. You can't bring self through the door. Self will never fit through the door. (laughs) 
You cannot be a Christian for yourself, for your own well-being, for your own protection, and for your own gain, for your own eternal security. It's unscriptural to be a Christian for yourself. You're a Christian for the glory of God. Whether you eat, whether you drink, no matter what you do, you do it all to the glory of God. Why? Because God made us for him to live in us and live through us. He can't live through self. Self wants God for his well-being. Selflessness wants God for his great name. Glorify your son so your son can glorify you. We just want stronger anointing. We want to prophesy. We want to read people's mail. We want words and knowledge. We want power. We want gifting. We want platforms. Look, it's so unhealthy to want any of that if your identity isn't secure in Christ and you're already fulfilled. If you need that and you're not happy till your ship comes in, people will come when I pastor, they say, I, I want to I, I, I apply for the youth pastor thing. I, I see you guys are looking for a youth pastor. We want to apply. I said, well, what, what youth are you pouring into? Can you give me some names and, and introduce me some of the youth that you're currently pouring into? Well, well I mean, I'm not really, I just, I got, I got this degree and it's for youth pastor and we're trying to get in but you're not even pouring into any youth? Listen, if you have youth in your heart, you don't need a badge to pour into youth. So if you're not pouring into youth now, you're probably not even called to youth. Next. <coughs> Are you with me? You can get so ministry money, you can get so platform money, you can get so... Title minded. You can could, you could think, well, until I this, I'm not in. People have more. That's why pastors, if the church is going well, they're doing amazing. If things are trying and testy, they are not encouraged sometimes. They're always worried about keeping the boat on the water. And then they get distracted. Now they're coming up with ways to keep the boat on the water. And now all the pastoring turns into just keeping the ministry alive instead of powering people to live Christ. Happens all the time. There's churches on every street corner. You can't tell me God raised them all up. I'm not saying who's who and who's God and who's not, but God didn't raise up a church on every street corner. A lot of it's disagreement, different circles, can't agree, pastors are controlling, people are dry and religious in my area, we're going to start a church. That's the worst way to start a church, projecting on everybody else. I'm telling you, you're going to be more dry than the thing you're saying is dry. And it'll start out strong because people are disjointed and people are hurt and people are bothered by church and people are looking for something new and fresh. People will run to the new thing. But in a short time, it'll look like everything else that you're complaining about because God's hand won't be in it because your motive's wrong. And if the root's not good, the fruit won't be good. It's true. I'm into home groups. I'm just not into a bunch of hurting people getting together and talking about their pain. And calling it a gathering in the Lord. I used to pastor home groups. I, I, my roots are in home groups. I think home groups are amazing. You just better be careful. They don't become a place where we're just going to bring. One day I woke up and I had this vision. I jumped in my bed. I had this vision. It was like a, I was kind of sleeping, kind of. I was dozing because I don't dream. People say, you don't dream? I need to pray for you. I said, leave me alone, man. God can talk to me while I'm awake. If he needs you to sleep to talk to you, fine. But he talk to me when I'm awake. I, I never have dreams. I don't. I don't ever remember ever having dreams. Plus, I read old men dream dreams. I'm not there yet. So, I just don't have dreams, man. People that have dreams, they're all like, 
I got to pray for you. You, I said, stop, leave me alone. Look, is dreams the only time God talks to you? Wow, you might not be listening when you're awake. He's got my attention. I don't need a dream. But that morning I had a dream. And I jumped because I was associate pastor at my church. My pastor was gracious. He said, I'm only a senior pastor because I've been here before you. But we, you're not my assistant. You're not my armor bearer. You're not my servant. You're not here to carry anything for me and serve me. We recognize Christ in your life and we're associating you with me. You're my associate pastor. And I said, okay, I didn't, I mean, he was explaining and I didn't think I wasn't like needed that, but he was helping with that. And it was, it was intriguing. It was insightful. So one morning I wake up, I got people coming to me behind the scenes. So bad, so bad. You're so anointed. You're so much more anointed than pastor. You know, when you speak, it's incredible how God just, and it just gets, you you are so much more than an associate pastor. I don't know why you don't start a church. If you start a church, we'll come. I had people very skilled and talented. If you would just start a church, we will come to lead worship. I'm thinking, I wouldn't want you to lead worship. Because we're doing church now. So I wake up one morning, I'm having these, People doing this stuff. And one lady leaves the church. I corrected her so strong, she got mad at me and left the church. So now I wasn't all that cool. Because I called her out and I told her what she's doing. And I said, it's, 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 it's the depths of sin, girl. It's divisive. It's, it's, it's evil. Because she did it and she did it again. She wrote me a little thing. I got her right on the phone. I said, and she, so she got offended and never came back to church. I didn't want that. I reached out to her two, three times trying to get her to talk to me and she wouldn't even talk to me but I had this dream and it said <clears throat> it was David's men and all these misfits and I saw this church door and the gathering of David's men or David's army and it was like a church name and then there was this ad and it said tired of church heard in church Broken in church, done with church, all this stuff. It said, come here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it had my name as the pastor. It was a demonic dream. Because people think every dream they have is the Lord, usually. And because it was promotion and it was position and it wasn't scary or demonic... Wow, I had a dream. The Lord's telling me to start a work and bring all the crippled Christians in. <laughs> and I sat up in bed and recognized it immediately. Just worshiped God and just had my fun day. People bite on that stuff. If you did a church like that and ran an ad like that, you know what would happen? People would flood there. And if they flooded there, you better be strong enough to get that hurt out of them. And all that projection, you better be called and anointed to get all that mess and slop and infection out of the spirits of people. Are you hearing me? We think a gathering is success. Formed in Christ is success. You give me 20, you give me 20 people that are uncompromised. That won't sell out that know they're bought with a price, 
They won't hold on to animosity. They won't live in judgment. They'll keep peace in their family, whether they're right or wrong. You say, nobody's like that. Jesus is like that, and he's called you to be like that. You give me 20 people that live like that, and it'll affect a region beyond what we can imagine. You give me that over 10,000 people, millions of dollars of revenue a year in offerings and big buildings and all this stuff, but they're offended and they're mad if you preach too long and the worship was too, and it's too loud and all this stuff that people deal with because people aren't surrendered. They live by preferences and preferences have become Lord. You just give me 20 people uncompromised. Jesus had 12. It said the men turned the then known world upside down. They were shaking things. They were looking at them saying, these men aren't even taught. They're unlearned. They've never been to our seminaries. Isn't it amazing how everybody thinks their seminary is God? So if it doesn't line up with their seminary, it needs criticized and it's a heretic and it's blasphemy. They invited me into a Bible college that was cessationist. They, they didn't believe the giftings. And the head dean got me on YouTube watching me. And he said, would you come? He said, I don't want you to walk in anything unaware, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Our deans preach healings not for today, et cetera, et cetera. Would you come and just share your heart with the students? And I'll just believe it won't create confusion and stuff. I just want them to hear your heart. I want them to have a chance. It'll be the mandatory chapel. They'll all be there. It'll be 850 students and all the deans and all the leaders and all the teachers will be there. And I said, he's asking me right up front. And I said, yeah. <laughs> so I went and I talked about what it means to be a Christian. I was preaching just like I'm preaching this morning, probably. This is really all I ever preach. And these kids are rocked. They're crying. They're like, this is Christianity? They're at a Christian college. Yeah. And at the end, I said, listen, it's come to my attention. Dean so-and-so is, he didn't pull no punches with me. He told me straight up that, there's a lot of teaching here that doesn't believe in gifts, doesn't believe in this, doesn't believe. I'm not here to stumble, I'm not here, but I'm here to say, let's see what's real. And what do you say? We just pray for the sick. And the worst that can happen is nothing, but that ain't going to happen. We're going to believe and God's going to come. We prayed. It was, it was off the wall. What he did in a college that's cessationist. Come on, man. But when you're going to that college getting taught that way, you're taught to be critical to everything that doesn't agree to your seminary background. But they brought me in. And, and you got this thing running? So I'm not being arrogant. So I don't, I've never done this in my life. You have one of those colleges, cessationalists and stuff? Bring me in. I'll come. And we'll pray for the sick and we'll see what's real. Are you following me? Because Jesus is Lord. And I'm not saying every single person we ever pray for gets healed. But I'm telling you, healing's coming. Why doesn't every single person get healed? Because we're growing and learning. See, that's what we don't understand. We're growing up into him in all things, to the full measure of the statue of Christ. So we weigh, believe, we, we, weigh doc, we weigh doctrine and theology by results instead of Jesus' life. And because we pray and somebody dies, we say, well, see, he doesn't heal everybody. Will you run that by Jesus and see if that fits his life? See, I'm following him, not our statistics. And I'm not going to get trapped in analytical human reasoning. I'm not going to get trapped in the way that seems right to a man. 
well, we prayed for Uncle John. We prayed for Uncle Bill. He lived and, and John lived and Bill died. So God heals some and doesn't heal all. You do not find that in scripture. You don't find that in Jesus's life. You only find that in our experience because we're growing up into him. But I don't even know how many of us are growing up. Some of us are just defining God as life unfolds. We're supposed to already know God through the son of God. When you see me, you've seen him. Why do you say, show us the father? He's right here. It's just the arguments on healing just boggle my mind. And it's like, you, you, you wonder if the leaders and people that are arguing are reading their Bibles. Or are they defining God through their experiences? And some people don't even pray for the sick. They, don't, they have no experience or testimony. So they say God doesn't heal because they're not even praying for the sick. Are you with me? EC, on Friday night in your house, you had your little cleaning lady in there. She was hurting, wasn't she? We said, well, we got to pray. We got to pray for you, girl. And we prayed for her. And I got a little word. I said, your nights have been very difficult. You dread the night. It's a very tough thing for you to go to bed because of the way your body responds. She said, oh, it's so. I said, well, honey, tonight I see you're going to sleep and you're going to wake up and weep because he's here and he loves you. What happened to her? She came back since she had no pain. She slept good and her knees were healed too. Come on. Now, if my theology doesn't let me pray for her, And if I do pray for her and she don't have that testimony and then that dictates my theology, I have no faith to pray for the next person. And if God heals some and doesn't heal all, then I'm only always in hope-so mode. And the just live by faith. See, I can show you in Corinthians that the gospel didn't come yes and no. It came yes and amen. Paul said our gospel did not come to you yes and no, but yes and amen through him to the glory of God. Through us. And then he said, every promise is yes and amen to the glory of God through us. That's what he said. Every promise. How many promises? Are there promises for healing? And they're yes and amen. Why do we have a maybe he will, maybe he won't gospel? Because we've married yes and no. When the people haven't got healed, we said maybe he didn't, maybe he won't, maybe he doesn't want to. When the people did get healed, I guess he wanted to. Hey, let's pray. Who knows? God's will. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Let's give it a shot. That is not faith. Believe means fully persuaded and convinced. Watch. Guess what we've done? We've looked at our outcomes, our experiences, and we've married Yes and no, because we've judged God and defined God based on the outcome. So we married yes and no, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is of the evil one. Come on. So how do we have a yes and no gospel concerning healing? Come on. Because we've weighed that doctrine by our results, not Jesus's. And we did a marriage that should never be unequally yoked. You can't marry yes and no because their children are maybe so, maybe not. Now they got a family picture. You got yes, you got dad, mom, no. 
You got your two little kids in the middle. You got yes, no, maybe so, maybe not. Because in the child's a little bit of yes and a little bit of no, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is of the devil. So where did this doctrine come from? Who's behind it? And it's slipping in our churches, in our pulpits, in our leadership, because we're defining God through our outcome instead of through Jesus' life. He said, look at me. I'm the will of the Father. I don't do anything but the will of the Father. And when you see me, you see him. So the will of the Father is Jesus' life, not you praying for Uncle Bobby and he dies. Well, it couldn't have been the will of God because we prayed, and if it was the will of God, he'd heal him. He doesn't heal everybody, but, you know, we tried, and I don't know why he wanted to take him, but that's what we do. And then we come up with an analogy to make our troubled heart feel better at the cost of truth, which makes us free. And then the next time we pray, we're not even ready because we're still bruised over Uncle Bobby. And now we're reduced to trying instead of believing. And now we're religious going through the motions. And we care and it's driving us bonkers because we want people healed. How's that for straight talk? Every promise is yes and amen. How many? And he said, our gospel didn't come to you. Yes and no. But yes and amen. It's amazing how we preach a yes and no gospel. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything outside of that, evil one. Doesn't get any clearer than that, guys. I'm just quoting scripture. So do you either believe the Bible or you don't? It's not my sermon. I mean, that doesn't even need interpretation. Well, you know, the Bible's many faceted. It might have another meaning. Every promise is yes and amen. Hello? Our gospel didn't come to you yes and no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. We've married yes and no by judging God through our outcomes. And we get hurt when our mother dies. We get hurt when our child dies. We get hurt when we pray for our uncle and he dies. We, we, we get bothered and troubled and go into a tangent in our mind when our best friend dies and we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. It's real, I get it, but it should never cost us truth. Look, I'm not being mean. I'm not saying, I'll look up. I'm not saying this to you. I'm just making a statement. We want to raise the dead and some of us have a hard time having authority over our attitude. We don't even stay consistent living in the spirit, but we want to see a miracle when crunch time comes. And war rises on the horizon and we go to try to train quick while the armies are running down the mountain to overtake us. And you ain't picked up your Bible. You haven't prayed. You haven't seen him. You haven't been with him. And now you're reading scripture like crazy because your loved one's in ICU. You don't train when the war's already started. You don't try to build. Come on, you all know hurricanes down here. I don't know hurricanes. You all know hurricanes. You don't start your building project in the hurricane. You don't get out your hammer and nails when it's already blowing. 
and say, man, we got to whip this up quick. We should have started sooner, but hey, we'll get it up, man. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Are you all with me? We have a sphere of influence. When we live that way, when we let the moment motivate us, instead of the beauty of who he is, we'll never be ready. Doctors have seen countless people camp out in chapels, quote scripture, and read their Bible, and say things they haven't even thought for two years, but they're saying it because their spouse is dying. And we're calling it faith. I'm not being mean. Let's get sober. Yeah? I'm not being mean. I'm just being real. But I've never seen a desperate thing like that work out all that great. And then the people that are doing it say, I don't know what happened. I was praying and praying and praying. And they're sincere. And now they're even more confused and troubled. And now, I'm just so close. I just want to give up. Well, you can see whose fingerprints are all over that. Because look at the fruit that giving up bears. You know them by their fruit. You know if your thinking is God because if it's producing life, it's the Lord. If it's not, it ain't the Lord. He gives life and life more abundantly. The enemy steals, kills, and destroys. And actually the enemy, he's not even talking directly about the devil, the thief. He's talking about false teachers. He's talking about false teaching, wrong believing. It's the thief. Believing wrong things is a thief. And it steals, and it kills, and it destroys. But he came to give you life, and life in more abundantly. Hey, you don't have a clock around here. That's scary. What time is it? Huh? Whew, that was the Lord, wasn't it? Phew, I panicked. I don't see no clock. You, you can't do that by faith with me preaching. You can't do that. But see, the Lord, because I, I said, he said, you can go to one. I said, that sounds late. That's long. He said, well... I got Dan Moeller in the house. I'm giving you a little access. I said, no, no, what time? We got children church. We were here last night. It's not about staying here all day. What time do you know? He said, well, usually 1230. I said, we'll wrap up at 1230. Do you see what the Lord did to me? I panicked. Did you see me panic, Gabe? I went, I looked, I scanned for a clock and I didn't see one. I thought maybe the sound folks took it down so I wouldn't know the time now. And I was like, oh, look at that guy. He's filled with the Lord. That's an old picture, man. I don't have no beard. I've had a beard since February of 2016. That's an old picture. But look at that. All them years ago, look how joyful that guy is. You see anything that looks alike between him and me? Do you see any similarity? We're seven years later. Seven years later, I ain't beat up and travel weary and people burdened, life eating my lunch half run over. God help me. Would you pray, Brother Mark? You say, no, brother, I think you're out of your mind. I said, no, I'm probably out of yours. <laughs> this is what I tell people everywhere I go. I've been saying it for a long, long time. The way you see me is the way I'll always be when you see me. Because I ain't letting truth change. Because it won't. I ain't letting time change it. Circumstances change it. I got joy and it's from my salvation. It's not from my circumstances. I don't even get caught up in that stuff. I don't. I don't need nobody to treat me right. 
I'm doing so good, it's ridiculous. You know, we live in a Christian society that says, you know, watch these people that always say they're doing good. You need to get them alone when nobody's looking and get them in a room and say, now look, brother, tell me how you're really doing. What's the preacher implying? That nobody can be okay. Which means he's not okay. Wow. <laughs> that one will make you choke. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. I got to finish. Yeah. I think I said plenty. Why are we here? To stay stirred in love and good works. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. Look, we're not preaching perfection. If you miss it, if you slip into something, if you're getting taught real good and then you feel like, man, I, I ain't doing what he's saying. I messed up. Don't run from God. Don't withdraw. Don't disappear. Run straight to him. And say, man, it's not my heart to live that way. And God, I realized I did that, but man, I see it for what it is. Thanks for the truth that's working in my life. Conviction is real on this thing. I never want to live that way. God, thank you for empowering me, washing me, forgiving me, but making me wiser and sharper. You run to him. We're not running a risk of failure. When we step out to live our life this way, we're actually privileged to become. And if you don't, don't start the race, you'll certainly never run. And if you don't run, you'll never finish. And you have need of endurance. So that after his will is finished, you can receive the reward of the promise. What's he saying? You'll never fulfill the will of God without enduring. What's he saying? There's going to be challenges. Not everything's going to go the way you hope. It has nothing to do with how you live your life. Are you with me? The devil can't touch selfless. And he can't defeat mercy. Sounds like we have a win-win. Jesus said, the ruler of this world cometh, but he has nothing. What's he talking about? He's the Lord. Was he boasting in his deity? Don't miss it. He's selfless. And there's nothing to touch. I get criticized for saying this stuff. People think I'm like the devil in disguise or the devil outright. We always say Jesus never sinned because of his deity. But if the root of all sin is selfishness and he was selfless, why doesn't anybody take a look at that? Because he said, follow me. And if he's talking about his deity, I can't follow because I'm not God, but I am his boy. So is he talking about his deity or is he talking about his motive in life? Is he talking about selfless? You just don't hear people talk about this stuff. You say, well, that was the Lord. Yeah, he made you in his image and said, follow me. And the things I do, you'll do if you believe. And I'm the firstborn among many brethren. You're predestined to be conformed to my image. And you have exceedingly great and precious promises by which you partake of my divine nature. Do you need any more scripture? Don't get lulled to sleep. Let's stay in this race. 
Must be a house that God's building. And that's impact our spheres of influence. And together, we can be an army that's risen up. And our lives can make a difference. You're not insignificant. You're worthy of the blood to God the Father. And he wants to live in you and shine through you. Guard your heart, for out of your heart flows the issues of life. And don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't take each other personal. Take the gospel personal. And let's run this race worthy of a prize. Amen? Amen. Amen. Sorry I'm a little late. One, two. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you, you heard the real gospel. Somebody said, well, what do you mean the real gospel? Paul said himself in in Galatians, he said, if anybody comes to you, I don't even care if it's an angel and preaches another gospel other than the one you've heard. There was only one. He said, let him be accursed. Then he said, again, I tell you, if anybody or any, do you, do you know that whole deceptive movements were birthed out of angels appearing to men? We can name some right now. Are you with me? There's only one gospel. You know what Paul, he was bold. He was so bold, he actually, he actually speaks, I think two or three times in the Gospels, he speaks in, in, in the epistles. He, talk, he says, he calls it my gospel, my good news. Just being very specific when he said that, my good news, my good news. The good news that Paul was preaching was him crucified. The good news that Paul was preaching was Jesus-centered, not some other version that added, Paul was very clear. I, he says so many times, twice he says, I come to you with fear and trembling. Because I, the fear and trembling of the Apostle Paul was that he was conscious, constantly conscious of the fact that he was separated from the equation and that every time he comes, he is presenting the man Christ. So that when he walks away from the crowd, that only the name of Jesus is left on the lips of men that were hearing what he had to say. And he said that. He said, I didn't come to you to try and persuade you. He said, I came with the power and the demonstration of the power of God that your faith might not rest in my eloquence and how great I am. Because realistically, Paul was an amazing human being. I mean, in terms of intelligence, he was highly intellectual, but he still called all of his intellect poop. That's what he said. I called it, I counted as dung. It's in the Bible. There's no other gospel. It's Jesus at the centre. And I tell you what, I will gladly go all in every day of the week, 365 days of the week, 365 days of the year, at a gospel that puts Jesus on the center. That, that, that is what I want. I don't want anything else. When we came here, the Lord said, go and and I had a vision. And in my vision, I had these people in the place I was going to coming here and they were asking me, "Who, who sent you? 
And uh, hey, we have, we have great people that we're accountable to. So if I wanted to answer, you know, just to appease the minds of those that were around me in the vision, I could tell them, you know, hey, guess who? The Lord said to me, you say, tell them that I am has sent you. Why? Because we need to hear, we need something that is authentic. We need something that is pure, pure, pure. That we don't want to try and partake and share in or put our fingers in. We want to make sure that we are here. You know, I say this and many of you that know me already in this minute, you know, we came to Lafayette from Florida. If we had it our way, we would have gone to Hawaii. And we love the Cajun people. I'm French speaking. I can speak French more than most. I just came and showed up here much later than y'all, but I'm finally here. The point that I'm trying to make is, is this. We came, not, we, we came, we decided to die to whatever we wanted and we decided to come. We came and we surrender our agenda to the will of God to come. We have no agenda here and we wanna make sure that we still keep no agenda so that Jesus is always the centre agenda. Are you with me? And so since we don't have an agenda, neither does anybody that ever walks through that door get the privilege of having one. Because we're surrendering every wrong motivation and it doesn't last very long anyway. Because if you sit after a month, you're going to find out it's not going to work for you. But we come and we submit at the foot of the cross so that His agenda can be made manifest for a region. And lastly, I'll just say this, and I'm just saying, you know, you know somebody, you were talking about you know, the, the wrong things people say about healing. And I just heard as you were saying that, like somebody, oh, well, what about Job? What about you? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the holy name of the Lord. Read the end of Job. What about Job? Read the end of Job. Read it. He ends up saying, Lord, I repent of the things that are said about you. The thing when he said, blessed be the name of the Lord, the Lord giveth and taketh away. He repented of that statement because he says in Isaiah, in Job 42, he says, everything I said about you was from the hearing about what other people said about you. It's the thing that I thought about you. And he says, and then he says, but now my eyes have seen you. Everything I said before this was an opinion. Everything I said was an opinion about you, but now, now my eyes have seen you. And I uttered things that I didn't even know. The Lord gives and He only gives and He only gives and He only gives and He never takes away. And when we're in trouble, like he said, we come boldly. Hebrews says we come boldly, boldly to the, we don't run away from it. We come boldly to the throne of grace. 
to help, to have mercy and help in time. That is where you find the mercy and the help you need. You don't run away from Him, you run straight to Him. And Abba fathers, they're like the, like the, 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 the father of the prodigal son with his arms wide open waiting for you. Sorry, I just had to come and I, I didn't, this is not adding to, I'm just saying, I, I have to stress because we have to understand this is not just another good service. Come on. If you came here because it's just another good service to go to, you are gonna go to another good service next week and you will forever live in a place of going to good services. But how and when will you allow your ears to be open so that the seed of the incorruptible Word of God will get on the inside of you and you start living in the place of becoming everything that He wants for your life? Oh, I feel blessed today. I'm so glad I came. If you only came for me, I'm so glad I came. Excuse me if I'm a little bit passionate. Actually, I don't apologise. I'm sorry, I take that back. sit and listen to this over and over and over and over and over and over. I feel the anointing so strong right now. Today, the kingdom of God has come to you. Today, the kingdom walked into the room. We can't be afraid to say that. Jesus said it. He said that we would be, come on, the firstborn among many brethren. He says, the same way I operate, you're gonna get to operate just like me. He said, it's better that I go because I'm gonna send you the empower. I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit because what I do, you're gonna do too. And even greater things than these. It's okay to say today the kingdom of God has come to you. When are we going to start possessing what He's given us? I pray by the by the by the hand of the Holy Spirit that last night, this morning, that I pray that the Holy Spirit goes 
whether or not we, we, we can't, I can't, I know he can't, and I know he has that revelation, but, but one thing I know, it's not my, we, can't, we can only preach and we will preach the truth as the Holy Spirit leads and guides and that he helps us articulate these truths to bring God's people into what they are supposed to be. But we have to trust the Holy Spirit in the process that he is the one involved with the circumcision of the hearts of men and women. And it's not my job. I mean, I've got to love you. Some people it might take. It's not my job to try and help you along so that I can help you become a better performer as a Christian and behave right. What's the point if your heart hasn't been circumcised? My only job, because I cannot change your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. My job is simply preach the truth, leave it with you and trust Him and posture myself. Lord, Your Word is powerful. What You did is so powerful. You can now go, Holy Spirit, work on the hearts of people. That's it. And then we love You through the process. Because when you eventually turn around and the behaviours start coming, it's not because we've caused you to be uh, behaviourally modified people. It's because there's a real, God has grabbed a hold of your heart and you're lifting your hands because nobody's telling you to do it. You just wanna lift your hands. You just wanna pray. You just wanna be Christ in the earth. Hallelujah. So I say you heard the gospel today. And it might challenge you, but it's okay. Let us be challenged. I don't want some graven image gospel. Let me tell you right now what happened to the prophet Elijah. When he just, when all the prophets of Baal and Asherah were destroyed. What were they doing? He said to them, go, you build your altars, do whatever you do. Whoever's God answers by fire, let Him be God. And all they did is they they came around, built an altar and went through their religious antics, cutting themselves, chanting, dancing around this altar so that the graven image of their concoction would come down by fire. And Elijah antagonises them and he says, "Uh, come on, is your God on the commode? Maybe He's sleeping. Now we know the prophets of Baal and Asherah were demonic, but let me go ahead and just take the same principle there. We are living in a time, we are now here where the religious institution has created a graven image of God. And we have said it's by what we do that God will answer by His fire and He's not even in the middle of it. Because we're not submitted to the Gospel. Hallelujah. It's a powerful place to be in freedom. It's so liberating that the words that I speak go with boldness without any fear of repercussion because I don't care. And I mean it in the nicest way under the sun. I didn't come here to try and win the opinions and the approval of men. We didn't come here for that. Hallelujah. Come on. Sorry.
if we can have our greeters quickly get up so we can move forward here. We don't want to make this as a very holy moment, a very holy thing. We're going to go ahead and sow seed into Dan's ministry. He didn't ask for an offering. He didn't twist my arm. He said, look, I won't come unless you take up an offering for me. Let's go ahead and pass those envelopes around. We're just doing that normally this way so we can do it quickly. You can grab an envelope and you might not put anything in it. It's fine. We just only ask that you leave the envelope on your seat, please. Or take it with you. (laughs) Maybe you have some things in your car that need folding and you need an envelope for it. And while these envelopes are being passed by, just ask the Lord what He'd have you do. Nothing more, nothing less. No manipulation. But we're talking about response to what we're hearing. Let's respond with a gift. Ask the Lord what He'd have you do. That's it. Those of you watching by way of live stream, go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com. Click on the Your Support button. You'll have an option as you're going there. There's a drop-down menu where it'll say Guest Speaker. On these envelopes, make sure you're writing Guest Speaker. If you're part of Destiny Church, which many of you here are, and you have your tithe, just mark tithe because it's Sunday morning. Last night, every cent went to Him. This morning, if you are bringing your tithe and, and you haven't done that yet, just mark tithe. If you want to do an offering for Dan, in addition, please do the offering in a separate envelope. Take two, but mark it as guest speaker. If you want to go the extra mile and you feel like, uh, I better make sure this goes to Dan, mark guest speaker and put Dan Moeller in capital letters five times. <laughs> it's okay. Somebody say, I'll be right. Yeah. Y'all didn't know I was in Knoxville, Tennessee for a little while, a little while now. Come on, hallelujah. All right, we're fixing the end. We're fixing to land this plane, right? It's already been landed. I just was coming in on the overflow because, you know, we've got to, we've got to let what the Holy Spirit has brought to us work in us. Amen. Praise God, praise God. Well, I believe we ha- apparently had a big basket and I don't know where it is. Well, where's the big basket? Okay, so let's go ahead and bring that up to the front. And uh, let's go ahead and just, uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and do that. Just put it right on this. And I'm not gonna stand here. You know, Jesus actually stood and watched the offering. He did. So, but I'm not gonna do that, all right? I'm going to be a little bit more. Just go ahead. If you don't want me to see what you put in, just put the envelope the other way around. Because I'm going to start calling out. Okay, you gave this much. No, I'm just joking. No, 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 no. Come on. Just understand that's my sense of humour. If you are ready to give, come on. And you're really blessed. This is why I'm saying get out of your seat. Take your envelope. It's an activation of your face saying, Lord, I'm thankful for what you brought to me in the form of that word. And then just come and drop that in the in the offering basket this morning. Hallelujah. For those of you that are here from Destiny, I want to say next week, we're going to be continuing with our message, Occupy. Remember, we're taking territory, amen? And that's got to do with the mandate, the mandate that God gave man from the beginning in Genesis. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In the meantime, we'll start saying, maybe we need to do it like, you know, well, we'll just say, we're not looking at anybody specifically, but maybe in the time to come, you know, we might have a certain so, so-and-so come back again. I'm just activating my faith. It took me two years the last time. If, whatever it's gonna take, but we'll, we'll start doing that. No, no, honestly, actually, just so you know where my heart is, I completely 100% get where you are. Like, how do you even pick and, ch- I mean, like, I would not wanna be you. I just don't want to be you. No, that's crazy. Because like everywhere you go, please come back. And we would love to say that, but no, people need you. We, we, we release you to that. As much as we want to keep you, hey, you're welcome. And you just actually really speak. You pick up the phone and say, I'm coming. We'll be like, yo, come. That's it. That's not, that's, that's that. Okay, let me make a deal. We're making a deal here. The deal is this. This is the deal. This is the deal. We're making a deal. The deal is this. Whenever, however, if ever, whenever, you pick up the phone and say, I'm coming. No, no, no. We, you need to know that's the relationship we are opening to you. We open that relationship. You come. We're not gonna, you, it's gonna, so in other words, it's gonna have to be the Holy Spirit. Hey, you need to go back to that church over there in Lafayette. See what they're doing. See if they made any spiritual progress. You might have to come and whip our tails, you know, just come back in and, no, I know, come on. But I'm just saying, that's the agreement. You just say, you think the Holy Spirit, and I'll be praying every day. As a church, we will be fasting and praying. Oh, hallelujah. I just thought about it. You're going to have that gun holster. Make sure you use it when you go hunting. And every time you see it, it's going to remind you of us. It's a small gift. You know, we're shunamiting you. You know, come on. Anyway. Every time you think about that blessing, you'll remember, ha, I know it's ridiculous, it's, 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 but it's beautiful. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Do you like that Scripture? Do you know what it is? I'm joking. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Ooh, I'm about to get spanked here. All right. Saints of God, guess what? There's no amen at the end of the book of Acts. Why? Because we're still in it. So, Go out in the favour and the blessing of the Lord, knowing who you are in Him, be empowered and say, Lord, I thank You by Your divine that the Holy Spirit comes and begins to circumcise. I mean, I'm talking for me too here. Come on, I'm not just putting y'all on the hot seat. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm blessed. I'm glad I came to church today. Thank you, Father. Come on, go out, be blessed. We love you. Let's give Jesus one big God bless you tonight. I mean, this morning. Praise God.